You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason, and on today's episode, we have special guests Mary Burchett of Bank of America and Mike Bros, CEO of Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And they're going to have a discussion about how businesses can prioritize mental health during this very difficult time. So, with all that being said, the Mental Health Download starts now. so much. I am so excited to be a part of this conversation today. At Bank of America, as we all continue to show our strength during this coronavirus pandemic, the physical, financial, and emotional strains we're all experiencing are converging on us, which I'm sure you can attest to, Mike. Yeah, this is attacking us uh, and affecting us emotionally. It threatens us physically. It challenges us economically hits us in all kinds of different ways. So yeah, it's a it's a big deal. But this all comes at such a perfect time with Mental Health Awareness Month in May. This conversation is going to be great about how we can help our employees and our greater community help them with their mental and physical health during this unprecedented disruption to our normal daily lives. As a part of Bank of America's $100 million global coronavirus community relief effort, we've provided the Mental Health Association with a grant to support their efforts in fighting the pandemic. And let me tell you, I can't say thank you enough to you and all of the association for what you're doing to support our community. Well, we can't thank Bank of America enough. You guys, you know, your your commitment to your communities that you're in across the country. And certainly you blessed us recently with a beautiful gift that we particularly to help us cope and manage our way as a nonprofit through the impact of COVID-19. We're like every other institution, organization. We're affected economically. We're affected in different ways. And so Bank of America's ongoing commitment input into the communities where they work and serve is a huge help to helping us recover and deal with the the impact of COVID-19. Well, I would love to take a few minutes and ask you some questions that will just help the business community serve their employees better. So where have you seen an increase in demand for your services? From the get-go, from the very beginning, the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma has really recognized that self-care starts with us. I think sometimes people assume that mental health professionals, we just by inherently sort of have it together. That's just not true. It's really about self-care. And we always talk about self-care. We talk about it all the time. You talk about it at Bank of America. We talk about it. It's not checking boxes now. We're we're talking real stuff. Self-care starts with me and then and then it, it moves outward from there into my family, but also into the business community and to the organization of Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And the things that we're dealing with are the same things that other businesses are dealing with. And I think it starts with, you know, sending a message to our employees in the ways that, that our highest priority is to try to keep them as safe as possible during this pandemic. And at the same time, we have to figure out how do we do business and continue to do business and to serve our respective customers 
And I think that's a challenge for everybody. We at Mental Health Association Oklahoma, one of the very first things we did, our first thought was, oh no, there goes our support groups. Our support groups can't meet. That was thought number one. Thought number two was, wait a minute, what if we made them virtual? And you don't have to get in your car and drive down to Legacy Plaza in the evening to attend a support group. Though I'm old school, I'm still a face-to-face guy, but this is not always the option that we have right now. So we converted them to virtual and a little bit to our shock that uh, that we've had. It's allowed a lot more people from a wider area participate. And of course, those are led, all our support groups are led by licensed mental health professionals. And so we've been able to do that. Then what we did, we said, no, wait a minute. COVID-19 is affecting everyone. And so we set up some related support groups, one that's for first responders, for fire, police, people that have to respond, and their job requires them to be out there in harm's way. Then one for just people that are on those front lines, delivery people, people at the grocery store stocking the shelves, checking us out with our groceries, people that have to work and continue to work during this this pandemic. And then another just for the general public, because we really recognize that the general public is being impacted in ways. And then they're socially isolated. So the, 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 the COVID-19 support groups have allowed them to be with other people who are impacted and do that and be connected because we know now Zoom and Google Meets and Skype, those those venues allow us to actually, if you choose to, to actually see not only hear each other, but actually see each other. So we're able to accomplish that in those ways. So that's a big deal. So so we as Mental Health Association are trying to, through social media, are really pushing out there and encouraging people to call us. Our Mental Health Assistance Center, you know, has been able to, you know, take numerous calls from people, helping them get connected with services that they need. Historically, in mental health circles, telemedicine has been kind of viewed as, a, well, not by everybody, but a lot of people as sort of a, a secondary option. And it's been kind of focused in on, well, rural areas are the areas where we target with telemedicine. And here locally, no, 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 it's face-to-face. In the rural areas, it's telemedicine because out of just necessity and lack of resources in those locations. But COVID-19, again, the silver linings that I like to talk about, it's allowed us to see that telemedicine is an effective way to help and work with people, individuals, with families, in all kinds of ways, and that we can do this. Can you imagine how we'd be dealing with this if we didn't have this technology? Oh, my gosh. We would be really, I guess, I don't know, we'd be glued to our radios. I don't know, you know, something, trying to get information. And so, you know, those are things that we're doing, and we're continuing to house people who are homeless, continuing to, it does. it isn't as fast as it has been, but we are still continuing to house people who have been homeless, people who are low, just low-income individuals who need affordable housing. We've been continuing to house them. We've been continuing to do homeless outreach, both in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, in those communities. We have been in communication with the city, with the county, with the state of Oklahoma, networking people, pooling their resources, other providers in our community, both here and in Oklahoma City. And uh, by the way, this is for all employers out there. One of the questions I'm asking them is, do you have an EAP? Of course, what's an EAP? Employee Assistance Program. A lot of companies have that on their benefit plans, but a lot of companies, and I'll, I'll use us as a as a primary example, we've recognized we don't market and communicate enough to our employees 
on the availability of the employee assistance programs. And I think right now is a time to really do that because employees need a place. And again, the employee assistance programs are using telemedicine, if you will, or we're doing, you know, just what we're doing right now, communicating with each other over, over, um, Google Meets right now. It's really important that we let our employees know that uh, they can get some free services. And again, if they don't have an EAP or they're or they're reluctant to turn to their EAP, they can always call our mental health assistance center, 830 to 5, Monday through Friday. And it's amazing how much work is going on in the mental health association in new and different ways. So that's a long answer, okay. Mary, but I wanted to really kind of for the listeners to kind of give them a global overview. You know, Mike, I think you're absolutely right. You gave us a lot of great information just to touch base on a few things that you said. I believe this is a great time for us to go back and refine the ways that we serve our clients. And the Mental Health Association has been able to do that. You've been able to, even though the Denver House might be closed and the Lottie House in Oklahoma City might be closed, you're still finding ways to support our community and those that are in need by taking them food, by helping them get their stimulus check. I personally didn't think anything about it. The majority of the people that I know, the check went right into their checking account and we didn't give it a second thought. But people that are homeless, that takes on a whole new level that most of us just aren't even aware of. So thank you for that. And EAP has been a thing that's kind of sat in the background in a lot of our organizations until now. And we've pushed it to the forefront to try to help people just deal with this. And that is something totally new for the business world. It, it really is. And, and, and again, for our listeners who don't know how an EAP works, is that you can actually, right now, through this medium, through technology, you can communicate with a, a, a therapist, usually almost always a licensed mental health professional. Standard is up to three sessions at no charge. And uh, sometimes even more than that. And if it's complicated enough and unresolvable within that period of time, they will refer you and help you link up with someone in the community as a part of your benefit package. I think that uh, this is really, really a great time. Again, I keep talking about it and I don't mean to be like a broken record. There are silver linings in this and to communicate to your employees about self-care and benefits like EAP or other ways to help the community to help yourself. These are silver linings that we need to take advantage of right now. I absolutely agree with you. There are several silver linings that we're experiencing. And as we're all starting to open up to talking about mental health, what is one thing that you wish businesses would ask you about mental health? I wish businesses would call upon us and say, help us know better how to address the mental health needs of our workforce in our customers. How can we do that? What kind of language can we use? And if we do that, you know, we talk about Mental Health Association. It's kind of a larger QPR, if you will. QPR is specifically designed for suicide prevention. QPR is question, persuade, refer. Uh, it's a play on words, CPR. We all know CPR. That's a way that uh, lay people are taught to intervene through chest compression and a way to intervene to save a life of someone in cardiac arrest. QPR is a way to teach lay people how to intervene with someone who might be 
or were worried might be thinking about hurting themselves or killing themselves, question, asking the question. And then if they answer yes, persuading them to get help and then offering to go and help them get the help that they need. And then uh, the, the R on question for persuade, refer is teaching lay people to have some idea where to refer them. And if you will, to take that idea back to your previous question, to take QPR back to kind of in a more global sense, asking our coworkers, how are you doing? I'm not doing that well. I'm struggling. Hey, what about if I, why don't we, what if I help you get some help that you need? How about us doing that together? So we can take it. Yeah, it's QPR specifically for suicide prevention. Very important. I just want to remind our listeners out there that we have three times as many suicides in this country as we have homicides. That's true this year. It's been true every year. And we are concerned that it may increase even more in the aftermath of COVID-19. But we can, uh, lay people, there'll never be enough health professionals. We need that lay person. We need Bank of America employees to stand in the gap sometimes or for their customers or their coworkers or their family members. We need uh, to, we have to have more lay people involved in this. And I think that the, the silver lining in that is that COVID-19 has given us, if you will, permission to really, truly, going back to your comment earlier, Mary, to really, truly ask people, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you safe? Can I help you? How are you doing uh, uh, physically? How are you doing with your mental health? And uh, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And so it's like we got a we got a moment here where it's 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 less of an awkward question than it's ever been, and people get it, and they understand why you're asking uh, about them. So this is one of those wonderful opportunities in life that we have to help our communities and help our families. It really is. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I wish we didn't have to deal with it this way. I wish we could have got to it another way, actually. But here it is. We're in Definitely. it. Uh, we got to make, uh, you know, how do you how do you get those lemons and turn into lemonade? So what are some of the best mental health tips that you have for essential workers who are out and about going to work and putting themselves in danger every day? Our employees need personal protection equipment, PPE. I'd never heard of PPE here two months ago. Now you can haul around your front door PPE and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about, you know, but, but gloves, masks, and, you know, all the other universal precautions. And I like to talk about universal mental health precautions, getting enough rest, avoiding use of substances prescribed or non-prescribed, minimizing use of alcohol and, you know, exercise, finding ways uh, to exercise at home or whatever. But those people that are out there, if they'll do all that they can and follow those guidelines, then that gives them some peace of mind. Hey, I've got some protection here and I've got protocols. I understand what they are to try to do everything I can. I put gas in my car yesterday. I uh, haven't driven that much. <laughs> I haven't used that much gas, but I got out of my car and I had my little sheet and I wiped off the 
gas pump handle and, you know, held on to it while I pumped my gas. And then when I got in my car, back in my car after pumping my gas and paying for it, I got my hand sanitizer out and rubbed that. Those are things that we do now. They're going to be a part of our life for maybe forever. I don't know, but at least for right now in the foreseeable future. And those things give us peace of mind. And then again, practicing social well i don't like to say social distancing i like to say physical distancing because i think there's ways to be even maybe more social than we've ever been but using physical distance within that and so i i kind of prefer that term physical distancing over social distancing because i think we've got to i think we can be more socially in interacting with each other but do it from a a, a, a distance where we're not running the risk of either giving someone the virus or, you know, contracting the virus ourselves from somebody else who may be symptomatic. And so those are things that, you know, people could do and to help their mental health. And then again, if they, if they need more than that, they can ask for help at mental health association, go into one of our support groups, what have you. And again, it's, it's, it, it just sounds so cliche. If I take care of myself, I'm also taking care of the people around me. If I don't take care of myself right now, I'm putting the people around me, whether they're family members or their coworkers or customers, I'm putting them at risk. And, uh, and so it's such an interesting thing to see how that works right now. And it's always been there. It's just, it's, we've gotten by with it being a cliche. We can't get by with that anymore. We've got to actually put it into practice. Give me your best tip for those that are working in the security of their home and are not having to put themselves in harm's way every day. For people that are isolating, we have said forever at Mental Health Association, too much self-isolation is a recipe for slow deterioration of self. And so how do we combat that if we're working from home? Again, being on, on Zoom and making phone calls, texting friends, reaching out to others that we're thinking of that come to our mind. That can be one way we can really help that. And, you know, we've said forever that it's better to give than to receive. I mean, that's I, I happen to believe that that's really true. So caring for others, reaching out for others for the safety of my home. Or if I know that a friend or a family member is having a health problem or they're in harm's way by having to be out in the workforce is to call them, text them, invite them to a Zoom conversation. But what people we don't want our listeners to do is to self-isolate so much that you're not having that, that social piece. That's what I was kind of what I was talking about earlier, that we can physically distance, but we can actually increase our social uh, socialization. Well, thank you, Mike. And thank you, Matt. I really appreciate you allowing me to be a part of Mental Health Awareness Month and have this conversation. And for our listeners, please don't forget to be a part, even though we have to be a part. Go do good things.